Hello, everyone. I'm Michaela Hunt, host of the Columbus Chamber's CBuzz podcast, where we bring you conversations with the area's business leaders and current topics. We're doing something a little different with this episode. We'll be sharing an exclusive peek into the Chamber's CEO Insight series. You're about to hear from Patrick Lockwood Taylor, president and CEO of the Oneida Group. Mr. Lockwood Taylor first began his career working for Procter & Gamble in England. He now leads a global brand in dining and food preparation based right here in Columbus. His story is unique as well as inspirational. So sit back and enjoy the highlights. And if you're interested in attending one of the Chamber's future CEO Insights programs, be sure to visit columbus.org forward slash events. Thanks as always for listening. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, great to have you here. Well, great to see all the seats full, that's fabulous. How's that, Patrick? We brought out a full house for you this that's morning. That's good, I thought it was gonna be six people in Starbucks, so. <laughs> <laughs> that's wonderful, how are you this morning? Very good, thank you very much. Well, since we didn't get quite an, an introduction, why don't, you, why don't we start by, you can tell us a little bit about yourself and, and your career journey, and you know if this is what you saw yourself doing, and, with your accent, I can tell you're from Pataskala, right? That's, That's exactly right. That's exactly okay. right. Yeah. Born and bred. Yeah. So, uh, firstly, good morning, everybody. It's uh, it's a, a delight and an honour to be here. Um, looking forward to a, a very good conversation. So, um, Patrick Lockwood-Taylor, I grew up right on the south coast of England. Um, that's England in the UK, not in Florida. Um, <laughs> And went to school, school there, and then uh, joined Procter and Gamble in 1991. And from there, then went on to do ten international assignments around the world, number of years in Africa, almost a decade in Asia. Um, lived in America cumulatively now for 12 or 13 years, and uh, and including northern Russia as well. So my wife tells me we did ten international transfers. I don't recommend it. <laughs> Mm. Um, and then very obviously happy to be here. Well, it's great to have you. Thank and great to have Onada Group as part of our community and, and, yeah. uh, and have you in right, right in downtown uh, Columbus. We're going to jump right in and ask you maybe about some of your past experiences that helped you shape your career, your objectives, maybe some of your time at Procter & Gamble, uh, and how that's led to you being here today. Very good. Um, well, in hindsight, I, I, I actually think I have a career path that was more by accident than design. Um, but in, in P&G, probably the mo- majority of my career was actually in either startup businesses or turnaround businesses. Right? So West Africa was a brand new subsidiary we had acquired from Richardson Vicks, and I was part of the team that went in and set that up. Uh, Malaysia, Singapore was a turnaround business. Um, and uh, most of my other assignments were either then startup. And what I found is by the end of all that, I'd worked in three different functions, you know, a number of different categories, a lot of geographies, upstream, downstream work. And it was probably about two and a quarter, two and a half years ago, um, I accidentally found the brief for the CEO role of what was called Everywhere. Um, we changed the name of Everywhere to the United Group because every time I said I worked for Everywhere, people thought it was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> it was always a problem at integration. Where do you work? Everywhere. No, really. <laughs> so, um, and I, 
I was very, very struck by this brief. Now, I've got to tell you, no headhunters phoned me up, all right? I found the brief accidentally and phoned the headhunter up. And after about four phone calls, he agreed to talk to me, which was a bit disheartening that it took four phone calls. Um, and his first words were, no one from Procter & Gamble can do this, this job. And I said, well, that's very interesting. Why? He said, because they don't understand profit. Now, for any of you who know Procter & Gamble, <laughs> they're absolutely obsessed, rightly, with profit. So anyway, eventually, uh, I literally persuaded the headhunter and then the board I wanted to do this role. And I wanted to do it for some very simple reasons. It's a story, first and foremost, about community, all right? Uh, if you've been to Lancaster, that, that plant is at the heart of, of that town. It's been there since 1905. It's the second largest employer. Um, and how goes the factory goes the town, okay? And it had two, really two decades of decline for a bunch of different reasons. Um, and so that was very meaningful. In, in P&G, they, they serve the communities um, in, which, in which you work. It's, it's, it's an integral part of P&G. The next was great brands, okay? Anchor Hocking is a great brand. Mm -hmm. It's very good quality glass, and thank you. You're right, it is an emotional connection, and these are important moments. Um, and then Anida. Anida is almost 200 years old. It's from very close to Buffalo. Yes. Um, and again, this, these, these brands were in trouble. They had not had uh, world-class brand building and innovation for a long time. The organization had not been invested in. Now, the manufacturing model was, was probably broken. You know, capital really was being run to failure. So as I looked at these, these were all things that I had done before individually in a very diverse career in P&G. And I, uh, and I genuinely felt there's a calling to this. I think I can do this. Um, and even though I was told I was the 39th out of 39 candidates who came in at the 11th hour of 59th minute, uh, I, 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 the board didn't sell me. I sold the board that I wanted to do this. And, and, and that's how I came to it. So the headhunter did not come to you. You went no, to No, them. no. And Tell us a little bit of how, how long you were at PNG and maybe what shaped your career, your cultural beliefs for the company and your experiences that made you the right guy to beat out the other 38 candidates? Yeah, well, I wouldn't say I beat them out. I was just more persuasive. The, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, P&G, again, world-class company. So I, I knew I was going to join P&G probably at the age of about 18. Back then, it, um, and I'm sure to some degree now, it has a fantastic reputation in marketing, brand building, great training. Now, I honestly thought I was going to stay there two years. Well, 25 years later. Um, um, and what kept me there was the opportunity to just uh, build out the toolkit. It's, even though it's one company, it's an incredibly diverse company in terms mm -hmm. of categories. So I was just able to renew my career every two to three years. And it was literally like starting with a new, a new company. So that allowed me to just build out toolkit. It's a great culture. They're great people, extremely talented, very, very aggressive, driven by growth back then. <laughs> and, um, and that's really what intrigued me. And, and then after 25 years, many of you work in large corporations. There's only so long you can spend in a large corporation. And, and then I knew it was something, time for something more entrepreneurial and to get much more in the application of what I'd learned. So how do you gauge beyond the bottom line, which yep. of course is 
the ultimate goal, you can't stay in business without a strong bottom line. But how do you also gauge the success of Oneida and the culture on a more personal, everyday basis? You could see that turnaround happening. You could see the momentum swinging, right? Yeah, it's, uh, again, if there was one thing that I probably expected or took for granted coming in was, you know, there's a great culture, there's a great sense of purpose, you know, there's, there's a collective desire to win. Um, actually, what we found was when a company's been failing for 20 years, you get a survival culture, okay? You get a this too shall pass culture. You get a victim culture, okay? We're no longer in control of our own destiny. And it, and it was very real, and I, I said to the board after two months, our biggest challenge, actually, is transforming this into a purpose-driven, winning, accountable culture. So, because if people don't buy into what we're trying to do, we, we just won't change anything. And, and someone told me, I think I was on day two, we be here, you be gone. You know, it had been a revolving door of CEOs and other top management, and so getting buy-in, very, very hard, actually, very hard. And it's, uh, we put a everyday effort against internal communication. So what did we do? So, yeah, thank you for um, referencing this. Uh, this is version one. We're on to version two now, so I was happy to share this one. Um, so, establishing a purpose, all right? Creating a meaning just beyond producing glass bowls and, and drinkware. Um, getting people who, and there's two types of people who apply to us. Those who are absolutely scared of what we're trying to do, the, you know, the ambition and breadth of this turnaround. And those who really buy into this is a story about community restoring heritage and, and righting wrongs that have gone before and creating new models, all right? Mm -hmm. You know, literally transforming a business to win for the future. And you either love that or you're scared stiff of that, okay? That's exactly right. And so we've been very deliberate about uh, getting people who are world-class versus what we need to do and just love that story, right? And Astonishingly, we get a 95% acceptance rate for positions offered, okay? That's higher than certainly companies I'm familiar with. And our um, regretted attrition is less than 3%, okay? So uh, I'd love it's to say it's because of, some, it's, no, it's because of the, the story and what we're trying to do. So to create the culture then, um, it is about behavior, all right? It's about what people see you do. Okay, um, it's not about just the words here, but are they meaningful? Um, it's about the values and principles which are outlined on here um, and being serious about those and standing for those. It gives people the, the North Star, the compass. It enables them to determine what's right and what's wrong, and we will make the harder right decisions, and we've done that multiple times. Um, and it's about, uh, we have this thing called positive gossip, which sounds very trite, um, but it's not. Every Friday, we send out either business wins, uh, a success story for an individual, a celebration for the and it just gets people seeing what, what's meaningful to the company, okay? And therefore, what's meaningful to them and the degree to which they associate themselves with it. And, it, and it's amazing. I get more emails thanking me for positive gossip than we do for a new manufacturing model. Yeah, maybe I should think about that. The, um, <laughs> hmm, um, so that's good. Uh, the other thing is 
many of you uh, are in companies or have been in companies where there's a lot of culture of inspect, okay? And what we've been quite serious about is we just don't have the time for triplication in terms of inspect. Right? So getting the culture into coaching, getting the culture in unleashing, getting the problem and the decision to the lowest level of the organization. I'm really asking, what do you want to do? And trying to get away from um, this, this, this signature culture of, I can't do it until you say yes. Um, and so that started to create, I think, a sense of ownership and purpose. But it, it is, we put hours against this every week in being very deliberate about the, the message track, reaching people, making sure everyone in the plant sees what these key communications are and how the company's doing. When you think about the long history of your biggest brands, Oneida, as you mentioned, and Anchor Hawking, both, as you mentioned, dating back 100 years. I think you said Oneida is over 200 years old. Just coming up 200 Which is extraordinary. What do you think has stayed constant while the industries have evolved and the brands have evolved? Yeah, great question. At the end of the day, the, the, the biggest attribute a brand has versus private label, et cetera, is trust. Okay? And, and, and trust is predicated on consistent quality. And so it, the quality is in reliability of the product. It literally, it's better at the job it's there to do. Um, and so it's, it's, it's consistent, superior quality against the primary job to be done. That's, that's the reason. The second one is then just uh, commitment to, to marketing, keeping the brand top of mind, keeping it fresh, keeping it meaningful keeping it connected to the key occasions that exist at the time. And we spend a lot of time, thank you for highlighting it, on understanding these, these moments of truth that we must turn up in. So um, a city, for instance, we worked out that people interact with our consumer categories, Anida and Anchor, there's 14 different occasions. We, we'd, we'd never thought of occasions. Well, a wedding is an occasion, and that's a big opportunity. Going to college is an occasion. The number one time people come and search uh, anchor hocking storage jars is when they're painting because they're looking for jars to put. So starting to understand when are people interacting with your category and how are you showing up in a meaningful, relevant way at the time they're interested okay, in your category um, has also been a breakthrough. So we have these occasions, we have this... Um, um, search understanding now, and we have the content that's relevant to the search and the occasion. Uh, and so, again, that sort of kept the brand meaningful today. So there's a great story for Anida. You can take that principle and just go back. So during the Second World War, um, Anida never stopped advertising flatware. It wasn't making flatware, it was using all the metal to make shelves. And, they were, and what they saw was, by keeping the brand top of mind, after demobbing, there was just a surge in flatware sales because suddenly flatware was available again and the only brand that was top of mind was Anida. So again, keeping the brand... Was during World War II? Correct. Wow. Keeping the brand relevant at all times according to how, what the occasion is. So really, we've just modernized that principle in today's context. 
LED displays are the perfect custom-designed, eco-friendly addition to any event that leaves audiences in awe. Live Technologies can design unique LED layouts for everything from event content to digital signage. Visit reallivepros.com to discover how Live Technologies can elevate your event with LED. Celebrate social enterprises that are building good in our community. Join the Metropreneur on Thursday, September 13th for Aspire. Aspire celebrates and honors business leaders doing more with their business. More good, more impact, more community building. More information available on themetropreneur.com forward slash Aspire. To wrap up a little, Patrick, how have you defined success? And what advice would you give our audience this morning on how to achieve success? <laughs> Pray. Nah, um, <laughs> it, it works. It does work. I, I, you know, number one, um, my, my job is not to turn around a company. My job is to create a sustainable enterprise. And there are phases to that. Phase one was indeed turnaround, and that was very difficult work. Mm -hmm. But as I look at how do you create a sustainable enterprise, right, the business model, where is cash made, where is cash lost, and how do you eliminate where cash is lost? Right? Two, how do you create the most meaningful consumer and operator brands? What are the reasons they're in the category? What do they want most from the category and stand for those things? And in your messaging, in your innovation, uh, get to be and keep the most relevancy. Okay? And that is a constant process of research, understand, brand building, and innovation. The next way to get to a sustainable organization is, uh, is absolutely about culture. All right? is, it, is it a fit for purpose, a purpose to last culture? Okay, that is forever meaningful. Um, next is you have to, and we've invested a lot in this, um, value creating partnerships, right? And it is with, with strategic partners. And what I mean by strategic partners is well, some are non-strategic. Everything we've talked about in this turnaround, it's about choice. What we will do and the majority of things we won't do. We do two or three things, we give up 98. I mean, literally, and that's very hard for me mm -hmm. and for everyone. Mm -hmm. So these finding like-minded companies who are very relevant to consumers and operators and partnering with them, be it suppliers, be it bankers, be it investors, um, be it retailers, um, et cetera. And, we, uh, 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 and we, we do have those increasingly mapped out. Um, and... Uh, Lastly, is, is, is strategy is not a one and done, okay? We, we look at our strategy every 12 to 18 months. We look at our execution every day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And in order to be sustainable, your execution has to improve every day, but your strategic framework has to enable mid-term growth. And so we renew it as a corporate, as a total portfolio, by division, down to brand, every 12 to 18 months. And, and that's what keeps us uh, relevant. The other thing I would say is many of you have seen, and, and we were talking about this earlier, beware of the cost-cutting mechanism as a, as, a, as a tool for growing a company, all right? You cannot cost-cut to success. 
if you're not creating more meaningful brands, more meaningful experiences with your brands, better performing business models about that generate more cash and waste less cash, you will run out of runway at some point. It's absolutely inevitable. And the, the, you know, there is a reason why from 100 years ago, you know, there's of the top 100 companies, maybe three or four of them are now left today. They just ran out of relevance. This, ladies and gentlemen, is the Chief Executive Officer. Will you join me now in thanking Patrick Lockwood-Taylor, the President and CEO of the Oneida Group. Thank you. Thank you very much.